Welcome to the Abbot Circle podcast. I'm Father Ambrose Christ, and I'm the novice master here at St. Michael's Abbey. We hope that you enjoy the following recording. To learn more about the Norbertines, visit theabbotcircle.com. God bless you. Thank you, Father Ambrose. And it's wonderful to be here with you this morning or this afternoon, depending where you are. We are here because we have people that we love very much, and probably most often our children, who have strayed in some way from the faith that we love so much. And the first thing I want to say is, please, let's not keep beating ourselves up. The world around us, if you haven't noticed, uh, civilization is in collapse. And you can do your best as a parent. All those years of forming your children, you can pour your heart and soul into that and do a perfect job. And yet the world is crumbling and constantly trying to draw those whom we love away from the faith that we know is the one thing that gives us the peace, the joy, and the focus that is needed in this world. So let's be careful not to focus our energy on what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? What should I have done? Those, are, those questions are important. What we wanna do is look at what can I do now, today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. And St. Francis of Assisi uh, once said to his followers, Go out and preach the good news to all the world, and when necessary, use words. I, I quote St. Francis because sometimes we think that in order to preach the good news that we believe in so deeply that we have to be talking, and that we have to use words. And I want to say today, especially when it comes to our adult children who have strayed from the faith, Let's not put all of our eggs in the word basket. There's a lot of other things that are often far more effective than entering into discussions, which can often, as you and I know, get ugly. Maybe our anger comes to the fore, or my beloved son or daughter's anger comes to the fore, and it starts to get, um, it starts to go nowhere. Also, remember the words of our Lord. A prophet is not accepted in his own home. When we're dealing with our adult children, our adult siblings, uh, we're, we're not often the most effective person to directly evangelize them. So let's keep that in mind and remember that we have to find more hidden ways uh, to do that. Uh, we can't always be the person who's in the pulpit. Uh, we have to tread carefully, and we have to think of the long term. We're in a war. You know, we think of, think of our life as a war. And at the end of that war, we want to save the souls, our own souls and the souls of all those whom we love. That's victory at the end. But in the meantime, we have to recognize there are going to be battles that go against us. There are going to be times when we need to retreat. Uh, the great uh, Russian general Kutuzov, 
who defeated Napoleon. He saved the Holy Mother Russia, which he loved with all his heart. But they, the Russians were so angry with him, he kept retreating, delaying, burning the crops. And they said, get out there and have a front on battle and defeat him. And Kutasov beat Napoleon by using all these other tactics. And he saved Mother Russia. We want to save the souls of our children, our loved ones, our siblings. Maybe it's my spouse. Uh, we are Norbertines, as Father Ambrose pointed out. And St. Norbert loved St. Augustine. He chose his rule and his way of life. He loved the spirit of St. Augustine. So I wanted to draw a couple of uh, specific examples from uh, Augustine and Monica, taken from the Confessions. We hear a lot about St. Monica. She's a great patroness for all of us who are waiting patiently and have for years been agonizing over the straying of our loved ones. So we can learn a few things from her. Uh, in book three of the Confessions, Monica has a dream. And the, the message of the dream is to never lose hope. And this is what uh, Augustine describes the dream as Monica described it to him. A young man radiant in appearance, an angel appeared to her smiling. And even though she was crying and lost in grief, he asked her, why are you crying? And what are those tears that you shed every day? And he asked not in order to find out because he knew already, but he wanted to teach her something. She said she was weeping because her son had lost his soul. The angel told her to be at peace. Be at peace and asked her to observe and heed that where she stood, that means in the heart of the Catholic faith, that she would see that one day her son would be standing there too. Now, Augustine comments on this. He says, almost nine years would pass before that prediction came true. Another nine years. So one thing I wanna say is patience, patience, patience. Even the great saints waited patiently for years before their dreams were realized. And Augustine describes himself in the meantime, and this is what kills us. He says, during those nine years, I was rolling around in the mire, stuck in a dark world of false beliefs. That's what kills us but we have to trust, we have to have patience. And, and Augustine continues, yet all this time my mother, this sensible, single-minded, devoted widow, a widow close to your heart, never ceased from prayer. Don't give up. We can't give up. We cannot give up. And we have to keep praying. Listen, I've had a very short life on earth, uh, maybe longer than compared to some of yours, but one thing I have learned in my short life on earth is to pray. I've got to pray. I've got to pray and keep moving forward. If I pray, all will be well. And this is especially the case for those of us who have loved ones 
who are dependent on our strengths. We need to plug into the strength of the Lord like Monica did. And by the way, here's an interesting concrete detail from the confessions, which probably resonates with a lot of you. Augustine is surprised at the effect that this dream had on Monica because he writes that previously uh, she had taken a different approach to him. Uh, but now she agreed to live with him and to share meals under the same roof with him, which she previously refused to do because, he says, she hated and rejected the blasphemies of my beliefs. And now Monica moved in with Augustine, and she moved in with Augustine when he was living with his... Uh, concubine, the mother of her grandson, Adeodatus, they were not legally married, and uh, they were not married, obviously, in the eyes of the church. And it was very painful for Monica, but she moved in because she realized, I need to be close. I, I hate the sin, but I love my son, and I love my grandson, and I have to be there, and I have to show that love. I can't, I, I can't be a warrior and ang I can't be angry. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Those are words that her son enshrined in his teaching later in life. He learned that from his mother. Uh, you might wonder sometimes, should I engage help for my uh, loved ones? Or should I try to get somebody else since a prophet is not accepted in his own home? Monica tried this, and Augustine describes how she went to a bishop. We don't know who he was. And uh, she went to this bishop, and she said, my son is in this situation. He's trapped in the Manichaean heresy. He's far from the faith. Please go talk to him. Help me. And this is how Augustine describes the visit. My mother asked him if he could spare some time for me to rebut my errors to dissuade me from my harmful opinions and teach me good ones. But he was unwilling to see me wisely as I saw later. He said that I was not yet ready for it. And so one thing we learned right away here is timing is everything. And, and our time is not always God's time. It certainly wasn't here. And he continues, Leave him alone, he told Monica. You can imagine, Monica is getting really worked up. Leave him alone. Just pray to the Lord for him. He will in time discover how wrong he is and how deep is his disregard for God. And Augustine says, these thoughts did not satisfy my mother. She tried to insist with much weeping and strong appeals that that he would see me and talk with me. And the bishop said, go away, with a bit of impatience. And he said, though, but be sure of this. These are those famous words that all of us here right now need to hear. It is not possible that a son of so many tears could be lost. So my dear brothers and sisters, Let's make sure that we are weeping, that we are mourning. Uh, our, our children, our loved ones should see not our anger, but the sorrow 
the concern, the compassion that fills our heart because they've lost something that we treasure. Let's be really careful that, that it is tears and not anger that our family and loved ones witness. It's a far more eloquent witness. Uh, and we don't always see the whole picture. Uh, shortly after all of this, Augustine was getting feeling suffocated by his mother's presence and many other reasons he wanted to go to Rome. And Monica wanted to come with him. And Monica was a little bit of a grasping mother. He says in the confession, she, she liked more than most mothers to have me nearby. And so when she found out he was leaving for Rome, she goes down to the seashore and she's, she won't even let go of him. She says, you have to take me with you. And Augustine lies to his mother. He says in the confessions, I lied to my mother and to what a mother. He's looking back, of course, but he lied and escaped and left Monica on the shore weeping and wailing. Uh, and, and, and both Augustine and Monica thought that they were losing something. And yet God was bringing Augustine to Rome against Monica's pleas and leaving her behind against her pleas because it was all leading in the direction of Augustine's ultimate conversion. So even if things don't appear to be going the way we want them to go, we have to trust. We have to believe. Jesus said, if you have a faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Well, we can move hearts, but we have to believe. We have to have trust. And so, uh, by the way, Peter Kreeft has a, a book on the confessions. And in that book, he describes Monica as a helicopter mom. And, and Augustine says the same thing without using that modern uh, term. He says, uh, you, she felt you had not listened to her prayer, Lord, but you were allowing my desires to take me away to where I would be freed from them. And you were also allowing her too intense love for me to be purified with sorrow. So that's happening to us every day when our loved ones are not where we want them to be. And let's remember that God is working through our sorrow and he's using it. So we've got to lift it up prayerfully. Okay, well, I have so many things to say, but I've got to uh, uh, summarize by saying, pray, trust, believe, love, sacrifice, become a saint, be a witness, be patient, weep, mourn. Never give up hope, and all will be well. Father Ambrose is going to challenge yeah. us with some questions. <laughs> I'm going to challenge you with some questions. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Father. Wow, that was really inspiring, and especially inspiring to that hopeful trust in God's work in our lives, even when it's confusing or disappointing. So thank you for that really beautiful shot in the spiritual arm. Thank you, Father Robert. One reminder, friends, I want to have a few questions that have already come in. We have some questions coming in. And please feel free to just go down to the question and answer button there and, and type in your questions if you'd like. And a reminder that we're going to record this webinar and we will send you the link to how you can share it with your family and friends. So uh, don't, don't worry. We'll, we'll be sure that we can get this content to you after the webinar is completed. 
So a number of questions have already come in, Father Norbert, and the first is has been repeated by a few people already, Teresa and Maria, and I, it's one that you would expect. These are grandparents whose children have fallen away from the faith and they haven't baptized the grandchildren. What are grandparents to do? Good, very good question. Uh, uh, one thing we have to do, Monica, of course, moved in with the Deo daughters, and he was uh, a, a true treasure in her life. Uh, I, we know that grandparents have a special relationship that parents don't have. Uh, they've got all the, the joys without a lot of the responsibilities. You have a responsibility, of course, for the spiritual uh, salvation of your grandchildren's soul, not as directly as your, your children, their parents, but you can do so much by establishing a very strong relationship with your grandchildren. Guess what? My parents, neither my mother, my parents were not like model Catholics by any means. My dad claimed to be an atheist the last 25 years of his life. Both sets of my grandparents practiced their faith. And I would have to say that I really owe most of my vocation, much of it, to my grandparents, their example, their love. Their, they went to daily mass. My, my mother's parents prayed the rosary every night before they went to bed. They had a statue of Our Lady in the garden. We didn't have things like that in our home. And so I got a lot of that from my parents. And it, it later on in life, the seed flowered. So pray for them, but also be a loving presence in their life to the extent that you can. Pray with them. Uh, hopefully your children allow that, that you can express your faith, offer to take them to mass. Uh, there, there's lots of things, but try to draw close to them in a beautiful way so that they can see you as witnesses of Christ's love in their life. Thank you, Father. Another one that came in even before, so people preparing for, for your webinar. Uh, when children or teenagers in the family are acting irreverently or resisting the prayer within the family. So parents trying to do a good job of praying with their children, praying with their family and meeting with resistance. Right, no, that's it. Now this is of course, I, I think I focused more on the adults in our lives, but uh, having been a high school and, and elementary school person for many, many years of my life, we know that when our children are children, we have a different responsibility toward them than when they are adults. And the hardest part of being a parent is to slowly let go of the way that we formed them uh, more intensely and directly when they were young. And some of this starts even before the age of 18, but obviously we don't let go. When they, on their 18th birthday, you're an adult, you're on your own. I'm not, I don't have anything to do with this anymore. It, it happens more organically. But I would say that especially for the teens, uh, give them some space, give them some options. If they're really, really uh, unhappy to be there for the rosary, uh, are there other things they can do or can they be there for the first decade? And, uh, you know, when we give them sometimes some options or a little more space because they're older and we understand, we could say, oh, we know you have homework, a lot of responsibilities at school. Uh, we, 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 also, we also give them a sense that we respect them and we respect that they're growing up. Uh, but we can always say, we want you, I want you, to, I, with all my heart, I would like you to be here for the whole rosary. But if you need to be gone for the, the uh, in other words, let's always let them know 
that you we would always want you to be here. Now, I know of a situation uh, where there was a younger child in the family who just could not stand the rosary. And I was asked how to handle that. And, and in the end, they gave the child space and, and freedom to move away, go to the, uh, the room, et cetera. And in the end, that child came back to the rosary because that child recognized what they were missing. That was a much younger child. So try to be creative. Just because you say, you give somebody some freedom to say, you don't have to be at the rosary this evening, although we would love to have you there. That doesn't mean you're denying your faith. You're, you're trying to teach, you're trying to love, you're, try, you're doing everything you can to bring them back into the circle. And sometimes that means letting go. The hardest part of being a parent. Okay, Father Norbert, while we're still here with the young ones and um, especially the very little ones, a very concrete and rather difficult question. The children aren't baptizing the grandchildren. Can the, gr can the grandparents do it? Can the grandparents baptize those children? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I won't tell you what I would do as I, if I was a grandparent in that situation. But uh, Father Ambrose, could you help me with that question? <laughs> Took me by surprise. <laughs> um, I think that it, I think that this is a question of prudence. And if you see your grand grandchildren are in danger of death, you should baptize Thank them. You. I think otherwise, we have to patient. We have patiently to try to. Uh, help the family to see the need for baptism. And you might be disappointed for some years, like Father Norbert was explaining about, about St. Monica and her prayers and that patient, faithful beseeching of God. Uh, but I think it might be in most circumstances a bit reckless I just think, to right. baptize them in the sink or baptize them in the... I think Father is perfect. And it's perfect because if, if there is any danger, uh, earlier this year when COVID was big, uh, a little baby was born to a friend of mine in another state and the parish would not baptize. For, and they, they said for the, for the time being, and, and they were afraid that the baby would get the virus. So I just, they said, could we baptize? This, these are the parents, of course. So I said, of course you can. Yeah, absolutely. So when there's any question like that, and then ultimately have the church baptism as well for all the anointings and the, the sacrament. And the registration. And the, right, and exactly. The but, and so but yeah, but if there's any danger, yes. Yeah, you can. Okay, a little bit older now. So the children are, baptized the grandchildren are baptized growing up but confirmation is not on the horizon so um what do you think about how can can the grandparents again encourage their children and maybe even directly to their grandchildren to uh approach that sacrament the one concrete uh, one concrete question here tess asks about broken family the grandchildren are raised in two households one of the households goes to calvary chapel so so a com conflict of uh, denominations and so forth right i think once again to be the to be a living witness to your faith because that's what confirmation is it's where we stand up to become a witness to our faith with courage and if you are if you're modeling that for your grandchildren there's no greater there's no greater gift you can give them or more effective tool you can use Blessed Carlo Acutis, who just recently was beatified, he died at the age of 15, but he said when he got the diagnosis, he says, I'm happy to die, he's 15 years old, because I have never spent a minute of my life on anything that displeased God. Now, if you and I and Father Ambrose lived our lives like that, we would be 
we wouldn't have to worry about all these things right. with our grandchildren. So let's focus on becoming the saints that God wants us to be because our, that's going to make saints don't get to heaven alone. Saints bring a multitude with them and they bring their families and their loved ones. And I, ha I have a family that's all over the place. I tell God every day, bring us all to the eternal reunion of our heavenly homeland. I'm counting on that. You are a God of mercy. I pray every day, many times with tears, and I'm trusting, and I believe. I don't see everything, but I believe. That's what we got to do, children. Okay, Father Norbert. So um, uh, back to all of the folks out here, um, out there participating today. Any concrete prayers or sacrifices that you can recommend to them in, in their project, in our collective project of, of collecting these or going out and finding these wayward sheep? Right. No, I mean, of course, prayer is something very unique to each individual, but the rosary is a, is a magnificent prayer. Uh, my grandparents went to daily mass. And I got my vocation from that. I didn't see them at daily mass except in the summers. They were farmers but that their silent sacrifice of getting up early in the morning to milk the cows and then go to church before they did the work in the farm the rest of the day. That, that won for me a vocation. They prayed the rosary every night together in bed before they went to sleep. To pray the rosary, to receive our Lord in the Eucharist, whatever we do that, that, that places us more intimately in relationship with Jesus. Then of course, sacrifices. Listen, we, we live in a world that doesn't believe in sacrifice anymore. So to fast, to abstain, and, and you might say, well, I'm too old to fast. Well, you might be too old to fast. It might not be good for your health, but it's never bad for your health to give up dessert. It's never bad for your health to stop on the second drink. You know, I'm not going to have that second drink or the, even that first. Drink. I mean, we can make sacrifices that are good for our health that really hurt and they're hidden. And it's for, it's for Jane. It's for little Billy. It's for, it's we can offer those specifically. Our Lady of Fatima said, pray and do penance for sinners. And uh, yeah, so there's so many, we, we can be creative. Okay, so back inside the family home now, Father Norbert, uh, families, there have been a couple of questions here, uh, adult children or adult children. So living at home and not practicing the faith while living under their parents' roof. What do you think about this very concrete should the parents or would it be advisable for the parents to say as long as you're under my roof you're going to go to mass oh, that kind of a thing right. you know so forcing the adult children to at least keep up the external right i think uh first of all if if you want to have a rule like that i think it's really important that that be really clearly stated as the young person is coming to the point where they're, they're, they're going to enter into a more independent status, but they want to stay at home. Now, if you do stay with us, we want you to join us for mass. That's like one of the, but also remember to say, if you're going to have that rule, I'm not sure about that rule. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I don't think it would work for everybody. But if you are going to have a rule like that, make sure to say this, it, it, this is, it means so much to me. This is my heart. Uh, it would hurt. It would kill me not to see you with us at church when you're living in my home. I, I would see it every Sunday. It would be so hard for me. In other words, make sure that your children know what this means to you. It's not just a rule. While you're here, you got to do this. We used to, my mother used to throw us in the station wagon when we did go to mass, get in the car, we're going to church. But we are talking about why and what this means to me, et cetera, is a much more effective thing, but it's not required. 
it's not required for you to force an adult child of yours to go to mass. And so sometimes it might be wiser and holier to accept that as your sacrifice, having to see that, but to live lovingly, hate the sin, but love that child, show them even more love. The, um, the, the same, it's a very similar kind of a question here, Father Norbert, and in many different ways, we have this question coming in. The, the adult children in the very practical details of their not living the faith, so marrying outside of the church, living with their future spouses outside of holy matrimony and so forth, all of the symptoms of our broken culture uh, that this is one we priests get a lot. Should I not go to the non-Catholic wedding right. of the Catholic children? Yeah. Yeah, that's a how, how do we do this? And of course, this is just pastoral right, advice. Right. That right, it's a very tough question. Now, I'm a priest, of course. I, I most of the weddings in my family have been outside the church, and so I set it up front. I and I, but it's easier for me as a priest because I said if I show up at that wedding, and of course I always wear this white habit. Uh, always, I said somebody's going to think that the Catholic Church is. Uh, Proving this this wedding, etc. I I can't do that. So I told all my my nieces and nephews, I love you. I cannot attend your your ceremony, uh, but I did offer to uh, share in their joy by being at their reception, which is a, a tough choice. Now for parents, I, it's so hard. As Father Ambrose, he he used the perfect expression: our broken culture. Our kids are just, they're, they're broken with the culture. The culture is breaking them. And we don't want to burn bridges. Don't burn bridges. Whatever you can do to keep the bridge intact so that when the moment comes, when that wedding or that marriage can be blessed by God in the church, think of that. I'm going to go and be present at this first phase. In my mind, it's phase one. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be there with my love, but I'm gonna be praying with all my heart that we get to phase two, get that wedding blessed in the church. Some people are gonna need to do that. That that's don't burn your bridges. <laughs> Good. Okay. So um, some very very interesting. Well, first I like this one because it's touching back on many things we've said. I feel sad. We have so many questions. I feel sad that my children are falling away from the faith. I'm sad and. And you know, you mentioned this too, Father Norbert, with the question of the adult children. Um, you're going to go to mass as long as you're staying under my roof, rule kind of a thing. And Father Norbert, you suggested, well, if they know that's from your heart, it would make me so, it would break my heart for me to go to mass on Sunday and you're living here and you're not coming with us. So appealing to their love. Yeah. And the questions are, well, I feel sad. Should I tell them how disappointed I am? Should I tell them how sad I feel? They already probably know that. That's what how people are articulating this. How often do I tell them how this is breaking my heart? Well, that's a and that's a great question. And we have to we have to be careful. There will be moments when a question is raised. I was with a niece of mine in a restaurant with several of my family members, all of whom I love deeply, 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 and but most not uh, really involved or engaged in the church as as I am or as we are. And uh, my niece said to me. Because when I walked in the restaurant, uh, an elderly couple walked right up to me, who I've never seen in my life, in San Diego, and said, Father, would you pray for us? We're having trouble. And, and I prayed over them. And my niece is watching that. She's a high school age. 
uh, just graduating from high school. She she sat down and she goes, oh, for Uncle Jeff, that was that was my name. Uncle Jeff, she said, that was so interesting. You didn't even know those people. And they came up and asked you to pray. Do you like, do you pray a lot? And I said, oh, I pray all the time. I, she said, well, do you like to pray? And I said, I love to pray more than anything else in my whole life. And, you know, she said to the great amazement of the entire table full of family, she said, oh, fuck, Jeff, that is so cool. <laughs> She was just like blown away. She hadn't heard things like that. So there are moments when there's an opening. Well, we have to be careful that St. Paul says, parents do not nag your children. We have to be careful about that. We, we shouldn't be pounding away. But when opportunities arise, especially when it, they ever ask a question, that's like, wow, now the door has just been opened by them. Uh, but we have to be careful. And listen, everything we talked about today, you are the parents and, and everything, every parent in every situation is different. So I'm just, I've tried to be general and give principles, but you have to make the application. So your situation with a particular personality might be different than another parent's. And, and with one kid may be different with from another child of your own family. So, uh, but love and all will be well. So Father Norbert, I, I, I don't remember how long our webinar is supposed to be. Are we? maybe our friends around, should we wrap or should we keep going? What would you all like to do? We have, we have many more questions, but we've gone, it's about 35 minutes that we've spent together. Well, let's, first of all, anybody who needs to go, go. <laughs> well, we can stay for another five, I mean, yeah, go away. We can, <laughs> we can uh, certainly uh, wrap, do a five minutes and then wrap up. Okay, that, that so the people know where, what we're doing. We'll, we'll have another five minute, more minutes and then we're going to, wrap up and stay if you can stay we're closing with a blessing of a relic from the blood of saint john paul ii be great there are many many questions coming in that we haven't answered and so we're we're it, we're not uninterested in your questions and your concerns not at all and you can find so much more information about our holy religion our holy faith and how to approach it how to pray so many things on our website stmichaelsabbey.com and especially the Abbott Circle. And uh, the Abbott Circle is, is a, a digital library with all kinds of uh, homilies and video series and a whole lot of content that would really help you if, you if you're not familiar with what we do here at St. Michael's Abbey. So please check that out. And there are many other avenues we could take, but just for the last few minutes, Father Norbert, maybe some of the more difficult uh, societal questions. Children who are adult children, obviously, who are living in same-sex relationships, approaching the questions of same-sex marriage or cohabitation, all of these kinds of things, that world of, of moral ambiguity as it touches on our holy faith and family life. Right. Um, and just any thoughts you might have about that, Father. Yeah, that's we could talk about a lot of other moral issues too, right, but it's just one that's right. current. It, it's, it's, it's current, and it's, it's also a tough one because when you think how many people are so excited about the recent uh, change in the Supreme Court. That just shows how much uh, credence, credibility is given to that organ in our society. And it is from the Supreme Court that uh, same-sex marriage was legalized in our nation. I'm saying that so that we can help to understand our young people, what the, the message they're getting from society and even from the top is one that you know this is okay 
and what mom and dad believe is just perhaps outdated, et cetera. So we, I do, I encourage a lot of patience and love. I certainly discourage any um, just angry prejudice, uh, you're what, you're this. No, we gotta ask questions, we gotta talk, we gotta love our children wherever they're coming from. And I've seen a lot of journeys like this. And, um, and I have loved ones that are living that lifestyle and I love them to death and I will to the day that I die. And uh, I just think it's so important that we, we, we have to witness to love, <laughs> to real love. And it's, it's not easy. Uh, but yeah, and we have to put a lot of faith and trust in God. We definitely do. One question I saw that popped yes, up. As I said, this, this fun one. Is it turning to yes, the conversation? But it's interesting because they, the, somebody asked us, asked the question, what if my parents are not going to church <laughs> and I am, et cetera. And you know that Carlo Acutis, blessed Carlo, look him up if you don't have it. He, when he uh, got old enough to start praying and, and, and talking and thinking, he started dragging his mother into every church they walked by. That his parents had given up their faith long ago. He brought both of his parents back to the church before he died at the age of 15. So pray to him for your parents. And yes, I understand that completely. That it's very often the parents. <laughs> More so all the time. We see that here at the Abbey, the young people joining our monastery often come from non-practicing homes. Yeah. It's amazing. So Right. And also remember, there's so much woundedness in the family so many wounds and let's just remember there's there's so many things we can't see uh, augustine uh, you know had his journey and monica saw him getting on a boat going to rome it's over i've lost him it's finished he was sailing right into the arms of saint ambrose <laughs> that's father that's ambrose my patron. His patron he was sailing right into the arms of the, of the one who was going to be god's instrument for bringing him back so let's let's never give up hope it's not always what we think remember the there are people who belong invisibly to the church uh, they don't it doesn't look like they do but they do because deep down the things we can't see, their attachment is, is much deeper. And God knows. God knows many things we don't know. Thanks be to God. <laughs> Let's close with prayer, Father. Okay. And, uh, and just please support us at St. Michael's. We have all these wonderful, beautiful young men. Father Ambrose is the formation director uh, and has invited me to do, teach in that program. And we have such wonderful young men. Uh, it's there are in many ways great hope for the church, especially in our area, but everywhere. One holy priest is going to help all of us. So I encourage you to uh, support St. Michael's. And one way you can do that is by checking out uh, theabbotcircle.com. I was paid to say this, by the way, <laughs> even though I have a vow of poverty, it's shameless. Theabbotcircle.com. <laughs> And that, of course, opens the door to a lot of resources that are helpful as well. We're going to close with a blessing uh, of this relic, and I hold it up a little closer. This is from uh, a, a cloth which was bloodied on May the 13th, 1981, in the assassination attempt against uh, St. John Paul II. And it was released from his cause the day after his beatification. And we are blessed to have a relic of his blood. One can see the blood on the white cloth.
And so let us pray. Loving God, through the intercession of your great saint, John Paul II, lover of the family, who ceaselessly called us to witness to a deep life of prayer, faith, and love, a true witness to hope, grant to us always the grace to persevere and to be true witnesses, especially to our loved ones who seem to be straying away from the love that we hold in our hearts because of our faith. We ask your blessing upon each one of us and upon each one of them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Mary, Queen and Mother of the Church, pray, pray for, for us. us. Holy Fathers Augustine and Norbert, pray, pray for, for us. us. Saint Monica, pray for us. And I'm kissing the relic on behalf of all of us. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Abbott Circle Podcast. If you enjoyed listening or were spiritually nourished, please leave a review to help our podcast grow. Thanks again. God bless you.